Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. Today's episode is inspired by a client of mine. I was talking to this client and he is the CEO of a number of food and beverage physical locations. I want to obviously preserve anonymity, but this person has many, many, many locations of this very cool, wonderful food and beverage business. And through a course of totally insane events, that were literally outside of this person's control. A bunch of these locations wound up having to get shut down and he was forced to figure out this very, very tough puzzle. What was he to do with all the revenue that they would be losing with these locations that weren't able to operate? And also what does he do with all of these employees that work in these spaces that would be out of work? How could he keep them employed? How could he have them working in a way that was productive for them and for the company, how to keep motivation and team morale up during this really tough time. And he was telling me that when he first heard the news of what was happening, he was completely paralyzed for about 10 minutes. He couldn't move. He couldn't speak. He couldn't really think. He was just like, oh crap, what is happening? Is this going to mean millions of dollars of lost revenue? And then he allowed himself to quickly switch into action and say, okay, I got to step up. How am I going to show up here? And when I was reflecting with him about this crazy week that he had just had, where he managed to really inspire himself and get going and problem solve for his company and for his employees, I asked him, what were you thinking? What did you tell yourself over and over again in your mind to allow yourself to become focused and motivated? And he said, after a while of thinking about it, I asked myself what kind of leader I was going to be. And I saw this as an opportunity that would define the type of leader that I am. Wow, how amazingly inspiring is that to take this really challenging time, probably the most hardship that he's ever experienced in this business, ever, 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 probably ever experienced in work overall, and to use it as an opportunity to make himself, to carve himself out of the struggle. And that is where the inspiration for today's podcast episode comes from. The title is Let Struggle Be Your Making. And I've been thinking about this so much with myself where Throughout these two years of trying to get pregnant and having so many disappointments, I feel like there was a part of time, a very long part of time, where I really felt like it was taking away my hope. Usually I'm a normally optimistic, glass half full type of person, and I was becoming the opposite, someone who doesn't believe in the possibilities and someone who's just experienced back-to-back-to-back disappointments and just it's too painful to hope anymore. What I wound up doing a couple weeks ago was talking to a family member who had experienced something similar and, and I just asked her, how did you keep going? 
how did you have the faith and the optimism month after month after month for years when this wasn't working? And she said to me, I decided that I was going to be the kind of person who goes down swinging. And this combined with this conversation with my client has got me thinking about this topic, how at every point in your life, when there's a rock bottom, when there's a crisis, when there's a catastrophe, when there's something really, really hard going on, we all have the opportunity to ask ourselves, who am I going to be in this moment? How am I going to define myself? Who will I choose to show up as? What values and what beliefs am I going to bring to this hardship? And finally, how am I going to let this struggle become my making? How am I going to carve myself out of this pain that I'm feeling so that this brand new version of me, a strong, resilient version of me emerges? Obviously, this is all easier said than done. So I just wanted to recognize that it's not as easy as just saying, yeah, great, take all this chaos and this challenge and this hardship, and I'm just going to turn it into my fuel. I mean, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do, and none of us are going to be able to know how to master this overnight. So let me first start by saying that I know it's hard. It's not easy, and that's why we're talking about it today. And secondarily, I also want to say that this does not apply to systematic racism, white supremacy, socioeconomic prejudice, gender inequality, harassment or mistreatment by any person, abuse. Those are, of course, all challenges. And I do not want to condone in any way that I'm saying that we should accept those things and use them to our advantage and grow from them. Those things should not be happening and we should be fighting against all those systematic forms of oppression in every way possible. What we're talking about here is very different than that. I'm talking about the natural and inevitable disappointments and hardships that we all face in our lives because they're just a part of being here on this planet. Buddhists have this beautiful phrase called 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. And they say that every life is made up of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. This has been one of my favorite phrases that I return back to over and over again in my study of Buddhism because it really helps me. I think that when I was growing up, I somehow acquired this belief that happiness meant the absence of any hardship or any struggle. And I thought, okay, that's what it means to live a good life. It's what it means to be happy is that there's nothing wrong with your life. Everything is perfect. And the more I've gained insight from Buddhism and the more I've just lived my life, I realized that if I'm always waiting for my life to be quote unquote perfect without any challenges or struggles, I will literally never be happy. (laughs) None of us will ever, ever be happy. You know, we all have something that's always going on because that is our mechanism for growth. And I've redefined happiness for myself. To me, happiness no longer means the absence of any struggle, hardship, or learning, but rather happiness is being able to discover and acknowledge my power even amidst all of those things. I decided that for as long as I'm sitting around waiting for my life to be perfect in order to be happy, then I'm essentially preventing myself from ever being happy. 
Instead, I ask myself, how can I be happy and surf the waves, take what comes and find joy and opportunities for growth amidst all that hardship? I had a very good friend of mine who's known me since college. So by now that's like 18 years. I started college 18 years ago because I'm 36. And she said, you know, Liz, life is just so easy for you. You started this business and it worked out. You have this great partner, blah, blah, blah. It's just so easy for you. You're never upset about anything. Well, one, that's not true. I am often upset about things. But what I realized is that life is pretty easy for me now. And I think a big part of that is because it was so hard for me early on. I had way more problems than other people did. And I had to really discover my power. In college, when I was living with all these girls and all of their parents were paying for their rent and paying for them to buy new clothes and praying for their sorority dues, I was struggling to get by on the federal loans that I got. And whatever I made for my part-time job, I had to really scrounge in order to be able to afford a laptop and books every semester for myself. And I learned about my own personal power then, but it was really, really hard. It was also hard when I moved to New York and I didn't have anyone helping me. And I had all this credit card debt and was just so desperately trying to figure out how to make a living without any sort of safety net. It was also hard when I was a kid, when I had to figure out how I was going to eat lunch and how I was going to procure my school supplies or how I was going to get myself home from sports practice because my mom wasn't to be dependent on to pick me up. So it was all these sorts of things that I don't even think I realized it then because I was so ashamed and so embarrassed about my life and my upbringing, but they were slowly carving me into the person who I am today. And it wasn't always that way. You know, I was a very chaotic, messy, dramatic, hurtful person in my 20s. I did lots and lots of things that stemmed from this trauma that I had experienced. But once I was able to work with therapists and books and tools that helped redirect me, then I could actually harness the suffering and turn it into power. My natural coping mechanism is to play the victim in a lot of situations. And I can see that really clearly now that I've started to ask myself, am I playing the victim? In what ways have I played the victim? What that means to me in my personal experience is that in the past When things have been really hard and really challenging, I've immediately gone to this mindset that life isn't fair. And I've really lamented why I was put in these unfair situations in the first place. Why me? Why is this happening to me? And I'd feel this real powerlessness and I'd feel really jealous of other people. You know, I'd look around at what my friends had or what my coworkers had and even what partners I had at the time, romantic partners had, and I would compare myself to other people constantly. And I always felt like I was lacking compared to them. It was really just a horrible, horrible mindset to be in. You know, it made me very critical of other people. It made me really mad and angry at everyone who had ever wronged me in life. And I felt frozen often. Like I couldn't do anything about the situation that I was in. So might as well just ignore it. And I think this mindset of victimhood was what led me to drink so heavily for so much of my life. I mean, when I was in my twenties and when I was in college, I would go out and have like 10 shots every night, like five nights a week. 
And in a lot of ways, it really prevented me from being with my feelings. I was subconsciously seeking out this type of risky behavior, drinking a lot, blacking out, hooking up with all sorts of people as a way to just paper over these really deep emotions that I was having about my life and how much I hated it and how sad I was. So anyway, it was a big, big revelation for me when I was around 30 to just completely stop drinking and to take that time in quiet and solitude and be able to let myself feel it, like really, really feel it. And for a while during that time, I really wallowed in that victimhood. And I think I had to because I hadn't really processed these feelings. I let myself feel how unfair it had been for me to not have any support and resources for my family, which really forced me to make very tough moral and ethical decisions in my life. So I really did take about a year as I was on this journey to process my childhood trauma to acknowledge and see how deep that sadness ran and how it was really coloring so much of the way I approached the world. And only then, when I was able to really acknowledge my feelings and have empathy for them, could I move on and claim my power. Because I think if you don't actually let yourself feel what you're feeling, then it becomes spiritual bypassing. You're never acknowledging what it is that you authentically feel and you're just trying to glaze over it by saying, okay, great, how can I turn this into a silver lining? And it's not that easy. You have to be with your feelings. You have to let them exist before you can move on to the next step, which is processing them and turning them into gratitude and gratefulness. If you skip the first step of feeling your feelings and just go straight to gratitude and silver linings, then they just fester there (laughs) and they grow and they grow and they grow until eventually one day they just completely burst. So this all goes to say that if you are not in a place in your life where you don't feel emotionally ready to turn your suffering into a silver lining, that is totally fair and completely understandable. This podcast episode is more for situations where you're just tired of feeling so sad about it all the time and you want to take action. You want to feel proactive and make change. So if you're still in the process of wanting to express and acknowledge your feelings, then write them down, journal about them, share them with a friend. My favorite thing to do is to write a letter to myself, just complaining about everything really letting myself be the victim, letting it all out, whining about how unfair life is. And then I write myself back a letter that just says, I hear you. I see you. That must be so hard. And you don't deserve any of this. So try that. That's been my favorite way to really fully express the sadness that I'm feeling so that I can move out of a victim mentality. Okay, now that we have addressed that and not papering over and not glazing over any of your emotions, let's talk about the first point, the first thing I like to think about whenever I'm trying to turn my suffering into my making, whenever I'm trying to find a silver lining to the hardship that I'm experiencing. And the first is a phrase that I repeat over and over again. The phrase is, there's no one to blame, especially myself. There's no one to blame, 
especially myself. And that really snaps me out of the victim mentality because I know that I either tend to blame others or blame the universe, or I turn that completely on myself. And I'm like, Liz, you're an idiot. You should have known better. You should have prepared for this. You're failing because you're not good enough. And that sentence of blame no one, especially myself, really snaps that out right away. So I want you to think about any situation that has felt really frustrating to you, whether it's a breakup, something that's going on at work, perhaps it's health issues, whatever it is, anything that seems unfair to you, and take a minute to close your eyes and just tell yourself, I don't blame anyone, especially myself. Then the second mantra that I turn back to again and again is, I hate the situation, but I accept that I am here. I hate the situation, but I accept that I am here. And I love this mantra because it doesn't expect too much out of me. Like I really feel sometimes when I'm experiencing challenges that it would just be so unrealistic and so untruthful for me to say, I love this challenge that I'm in. You know, I can say that affirmation, but unless I really believe it, the affirmation doesn't do anything. I'm all about using affirmations that are reasonable, truthful, a little bit of a stretch on how I feel, but I can get behind them. You know, I can actually believe them because mantras only work when you believe what you're saying. If I had a mantra that was like, I'm the smartest person in the world and I can do no wrong, that would not work because I don't actually believe that. But if my mantra was, I'm capable, I'm competent, I deserve to get what I want, sure, I can get behind that. That seems fair enough. That seems like something that could actually happen. So that's why I love this mantra. I hate where I am right now, but I accept it's where I am. Reason why acceptance is so key is because you save yourself all of this anxiety and stress in fighting when you just accept where you are. The image I see is me in a boat and I've just been tossed into this river of fast flowing water and I'm terrified. I'm swimming, swimming, swimming so hard to try to get myself out of the waves and back onto the boat and I'm just thrashing and thrashing and it's taking up so much of my energy and I'm panicked and I'm stressed and I have all this fear within me. And when I accept where I am, that what happens is a calm washes over me. I stop stressing. I stop paddling so aggressively. I let myself float and use the force of the current to carry me to the shore where I can get out of the water and figure out my game plan. That six-month period when I had shut down the Reset Studio, the Reset physical location in New York, and I was trying to figure out how to build up my book of business as an executive coach, I feel like I wasted so much time struggling, being angry, being upset about where I was. And that was energy that if I had just accepted that I was in this bad financial position and I was starting all over again and just said, well, this is where I am. It sucks. I hate it, but I accept where I am. I could have directed all of that energy of fighting my current situation and instead apply that to finding a solution out of it. And I just think that we as humans, we waste so much precious time and so much of our finite energy limits 
hating our current situation and fighting the inequality of where we find ourselves. Was it fair that I had invested a quarter of a million dollars into a construction project to build my dream physical studio only to have a global pandemic show up and wipe it out within nine months? Definitely not. But was stuff like this happening to everyone? Yeah, of course. Everyone had their version of my reset studio closing during COVID. People had their weddings postponed. People lost jobs. People lost people who they love. People got really sick. And so, yeah, did it suck? Did I hate it? Absolutely. But could I accept it because it was part of those 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows that make up every single person's life? Yes, absolutely. And the last thing that I'll say about this topic is that you get to choose what it is that you love about yourself. We're all raised to believe that we have value based on what people tell us we have value for. When I was growing up, I had value when I accomplished things. So my mom never really paid any attention to me unless I got good grades or I was winning a prize. She used my accomplishments to actually validate herself. And so she only really said that I was worthy of attention if I had done things that were externally reinforced. And so I grew up with that mindset. I was always comparing myself to other people. I remember when I was in my 20s, I would go to yoga classes and I would look around and I would think, okay, am I the best person in this yoga class? And if I'm not the best person in this yoga class, then I shouldn't even be here. Then I suck. Remember the first time around when I was engaged, I really wanted this big diamond ring and I would always compare my engagement ring to other people's engagement rings. Like, oh, is mine bigger? These days I have a ring that I love so much that doesn't even have diamonds on it. And it's so unique to who I am and I love it so much, but I was a very, very different person back in my twenties. And I had this way of seeing myself that was so hard. I only acknowledged that I was worthy and a good person when I could stack up against other people, when I was, you know, getting a promotion or when I was you know, getting a pat on the back for something or when I was achieving, that was the only time that I felt good about myself. So when all this stuff happened with reset and I experienced all this hardship and nothing in my life was really going well externally, I wasn't making money. I wasn't getting any press. I wasn't really having any sort of growth or evolution that you could see externally. I had to change the way I looked at myself and I had to change how I measured my own self-worth. At that moment, I couldn't lean on any of the external validators that I'd always relied on my entire life to feel good. They were all taken away from me. And so in that moment, instead of feeling sorry for myself and becoming a victim, I said, you know what? If all these things that I used to previously tell myself I'm okay don't exist, I need to change the way that I tell myself that I'm okay. And I decided then and there that I would no longer reward myself for doing things perfectly and achieving. Instead, I would be proud of myself and reward myself for never giving up. My whole life, I loved myself the most whenever I won. And in that moment, I decided 
that I love myself now because I never quit. So what will you decide to love yourself for? I had this conversation with my client, the one who was experiencing that crazy chaotic experience, and he's someone who does everything perfectly. He's so good at operating and executing, and we decided in that conversation, that coaching conversation, that he had two choices. There are two things he could do. The first option was that he could see himself as a good leader based on the fact that nothing in the business was going wrong. Or he could choose to see himself as a good leader because when chaos and challenges came up, he would step up no matter the circumstances and problem solve, help his employees and approach that challenge with a clear head. So he didn't feel sorry for himself. Instead, he said, this is the type of leader I am. This is the person who I am. And I feel good about myself because no matter what life throws at me, no matter the curveballs, no matter the oh shit moments, I will define myself based on the way I show up to those crises. So now I want to encourage all of you. Don't love yourself because you're perfect. Don't love yourself because you win. Don't love yourself because you accomplish things. Love yourself for trying, not just once, but twice or three times. Love yourself because you try and you try and you try and you never give up. Don't love yourself because you're flawless. Love yourself because you're resilient. Don't love yourself because you do everything right. Love yourself because you're always learning and picking yourself up. I know that I would way rather be the type of person who falls a thousand times and then gets up after each fall rather than the type of person who never puts himself out there, who never tries, is never vulnerable for fear that they won't be perfect. What a hard experience to hold yourself to if you expect that you should only ever be perfect and only ever get it right. If you expect perfection out of yourself at all times, then the inevitable hardships and challenges of life will just eat you alive. They'll totally demoralize you. So be the kind of person who loves yourself because of all the hardships that you've experienced and not in spite of them. Thank you guys for listening. I'm going to do a call out now for topic ideas. If you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss, please send me an email at liz at resetnyc.com. I really liked doing a listener's topic a couple weeks ago, Zaina's topic on authenticity. So if you have one, I am all years and I guess I'm back to a weekly schedule now. So this is three weeks in a row posting weekly, which is kind of a miracle for me. So thanks for bearing with me, guys. I will see you next week, barring anything crazy that happens. And as always, don't forget to love yourself, to listen to yourself and to say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. See you guys soon.